and welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. This is Mimi. I'm here with Bridget. Hello, Bridget. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. It was a rainy day here in Chicago, but um, things are good. I mean, I wish I could actually send some of the rain to you guys. We will take, well, I will take it. I don't know. I can't speak for everyone. Although like, no, I'll speak for all Every, of California. All of California. <laughs> we all need rain, you know, yeah. but um, obviously like we went through a heat wave. It's gotten yeah. a little better, but I don't do well with this <laughs> yeah. um, at all. But fortunately there's been some, there's been some relief. So that's good, I guess. But yeah. I'm just, I'm like very much looking forward to real fall, not fake fall, not false fall. Yeah. Like yeah. real fall. Like I don't really drink pumpkin spice lattes, so that's not my jam, but like give me a pumpkin spice scone or a cookie yeah. or mm. like a good fall stew. My husband and I were saying we have this amazing fall stew recipe that we've yeah. had for years. And we're like, we are just going to cook like a huge vat of it and just eat it for like three weeks. And we can't yeah. wait. Oh, yeah. I love the I love the crock pot. Yeah. Makes like the house smell good. And then you yeah, you just have it for like so long. Totally. Yeah. I cooked um actually like a chicken lemon vegetable Ooh. soup and we're gonna have it tonight. And I'm very excited. It's not quite fall, but it's like, you know, I don't know. Soup always feels like yeah, comforting. It does. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Last night my husband was like, we're talking about this baby that will be coming any second. He goes, <laughs> What are we gonna cook for her? And I just look at him and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, not for a while. She's kind of on the like, you know. She's sort of on a liquid diet. She's on a liquid diet for a little while. But I was like, yeah. shit, uh, eggs? <laughs> <laughs> Oatmeal? Like, Yeah, she'll be fine. Like, right. I turned out okay. <laughs> I, know. I know. Don't you feel like our, I mean, I feel like this is my mom. My sister and I talk about this all the time, which is like, they just kind of like, there wasn't so much like planning and thinking and like optimizing. And I mean, there weren't blogs and podcasts yeah. and they were just like, I mean, at one point my mom was like, oh yeah, we just like brought you up to Tahoe. And I like, we, we didn't bring a crib or anything. Like we just put you in a drawer and like, <laughs> there's been and, a lot of talk in our house about the like, drawer. Yeah. Right. That was, yeah. They were like, why do you need to bring all they were talking to my sister and they're like, why do you need to bring all this stuff when you travel? And she was like, what? Yeah. Drawer baby. Drawer baby. But like one thing, I always had this vision. This is just, I'm maybe really dumb. Like I'm, you know, I consider myself an intelligent person, but for whatever reason, like conceptually, I could not get over like the drawer baby thing. And I'm like, so you pull out the drawer and you put the baby in. Isn't that like unsafe? Isn't the dresser going to topple over? And my husband was like, no, you take the drawer out of the dresser. And I was like, that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, that seems yeah, safer. Yeah. And then you like pat it. Yep. Yeah. It yeah. was like, so apparently there's these things called dock tots that you, it is sort of what you yeah. said, what it sounds like. You dock a tot. Yeah. Dock a tot in these <laughs> overpriced things. But it's like the drawer is like the original dock a tot. You just like shove the baby there. Drawer is outside yeah. the dresser. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um <laughs> I mean, it's like we're talking about fall and it's September and one of my favorite races of all time was today, but it's also sad because it's kind of like the end of a really fun racing season. Yeah. But I mean, there's, there's still other, okay, well, I guess it's the, it's the end of like the track season. Now we get into fall marathoning, yeah. which is 
Amazing. Oh my God. I also have to tell you about the dream I had about Kira D'Amato last night, which was a little weird. I would text her and tell her about it, but I'm afraid she might never talk to me again. Um, <laughs> so we'll just share it here. We'll just share it here. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll tag her. And then the we'll episode. tag okay, her. <laughs> but today was, before we get into that, today was the Fifth Avenue Mile, which is so fun. So It's like my favorite race of all time. Um, I ran it sort of on a whim three years ago. And it's just the best because it's only a mile, but you get like all of the glory of like a big oh. New York Roadrunners race starts at the Met. Ends at Central Park South and it's like a, just a fast, like balls out race. And it was a great field and yeah. Yeah. Record breaking. Record breaking. Like, yeah. Laura Muir ending her, ending her season. Like, I mean, I think she's just been crushing she's it. Been, um, yeah. Scottish middle distance runner won the title and took like over a minute, over, over a minute. <laughs> oh, okay. Over a second off of uh, Jenny Simpson's yeah. record. I think she, so like just absolutely. And she just like went like, and I loved her strategy. She's like, no, that was the plan to like, <laughs> <laughs> to like, you know, just go hard, be way out in front at halfway and just try to hold it. But it was like, it, all of a sudden at halfway, she just had like a huge gap on the rest of the field. And I think like, with anyone else, you would be like, oh, they're going to come back. Like the field is going to yeah. catch her. But with Laura Muir, you know, when she turns on those jets and pumps those arms, like she's not coming back to anyone. Like she's just yeah. going full out. So it was, it was amazing. And then it was amazing to see Nikki Hiltz get second. And then yes. totally exciting is um, Eleanor Fulton getting third who is an athlete of, of Dina Evans. So shout out there. Oh, yeah, shout Dina out. coaches Eleanor remotely. Like, works and full time. Works Amazing. Full time. There's all this big like unsponsored talk around Eleanor, but I'm, you know, and so that may or may not change, but like she's been having a great season and I just texted Dina like a bunch of exclamation marks because like it's just, you know, there was a great post-race interview with Eleanor kind of talking about like, how amazing the field was. And like, you have to put blinders on when you're racing against oh. Laura Muir, you know, Olympians. Like it's just someone who just ran 356 in the 15. Like you can't think about that. You just have to race. And um, yeah. yeah, such a fun, such a fun, like four minutes. <laughs> yeah. Such a fun four minutes. I was thinking how, and I have no idea, but maybe, you know, like how often in the women's race does the winner also get the half bonus? Because that actually seems pretty rare. I think it's, I know it's very rare. rare for the men. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've watched a bunch of fifth Avenue miles now and like typically patience is rewarded. Right. That. It seems, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, like, I don't know if Jenny Simpson has ever gotten the bonus. Usually she's like in second or third and then just right. like rips it. Um, yeah, I don't think that's common. I think, and I also think the women are like, they're not really thinking about that. They're thinking about right. winning. Whereas right. like the men, you definitely the men, see. like, and they were talking yeah. about who was it, Sam Parsons that I think got it. And that that's kind of the MO of like, especially the the men who like, no, they can, because you have to get the bonus for women. You have to run under 432. For men, you have to run under four minutes. And so the, like, if you know you can run under four minutes on that course, and typically it's pretty fast, but you don't think like maybe you have a shot to win. It's like, well, may not, why not make like an extra thousand bucks? Like flying down. So like, that's what Sam Parsons did. And it worked, you know, he didn't win, but he got an extra thousand dollars. And 
Yeah, I feel like the men might be a little bit more bullish about it, whereas the women are like, no, like I want to win. And I also think that, I don't know that there's, it's interesting because the men's race was so much closer than the women's, but it also feels like, well, I guess you could argue this differently because um, someone named Jenny Simpson has won like 14,000 times, (laughs) but like, it's never by, it's like, like, it's pretty close. I mean, in, in 2019, which was the year I ran it, I remember I remember that day so well. Like, I ran the race. I met my brother at Columbus Circle because he was bringing my suitcase and clothes because then I had to, like, leave immediately and hop on a flight and go go to Boston. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, but I'm going to hopefully land in Boston to be able to watch the race in time because there's a big gap between when us mortals race and when the pros race. Um, and I remember watching it and, like, Jenny almost didn't win that year. Like Ellie was like, yeah, I remember that. Almost broke the tape with Jenny, basically did. So I guess my point is like, even though Jenny wins every year that she races, like it always feels a little bit closer. And so more, maybe more tactical. I don't know. And then maybe because Jenny is a more tactical racer, like she's not trying to get that. She doesn't need that bonus. She's doing, you know, (laughs) she's winning it up. Yeah. So, but it's just, it's such a fun, like, way to end the season, I think for a lot of athletes of just like, this is just fun. Yeah. And you know, if you win, you win, that's awesome. But like, if not, you had a fun time, like spending a few days in New York and running in Central Park. And yeah, I remember, cause I actually remember when I ran it, it was like the first year Nikki Hiltz ran it. And I remember seeing like Ellie and Heather McLean, um, like in the park, I think I may have seen Nikki too in the park, like the day before. And just, just fun stuff. And then there was, you know, the Diamond League final, um, which I actually, I've watched a few recaps of the races, but not all of them. But like that, they like really like do a lot. Like, like, like <laughs> it is extra. Like there are fireworks, the stadium is packed. Like, yeah. Like you would think it was like the US Open final. Like, right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can't believe we haven't talked about tennis. Oh my but. God. Sorry. If you want to hold on for another t- 12 hours, I can talk about it. Yeah, I shouldn't it. have brought it up. But um, we can do tennis talk. We'll have to do like a short episode. We can do tennis just talk. like a, it can be just like an homage to Rafael Nadal, like podcast on. Yeah. yeah. And Serena. And Serena, obviously. Yeah. I cried yeah. so hard when, like, when she lost, not because she lost the match, but just like, everything she's done for tennis. But when I really lost my mind, when she was like, you know, there would be no Serena without Venus because yeah, I'm like, I like want to be best friends with Venus Williams. Like she's so cool. (laughs) And she's so like, she seems very calm, but she has done like more for equal pay for women in tennis than pretty much anyone else. Venus Williams is the reason women get equal prize money at Grand Slams. And, you know, we don't, we talk about Serena and all of her accomplishments and Serena is incredible and I love her and I bow down to her greatness, but like Venus is a queen too. And I just want that to be known. I love that. Yeah. Yes. So before we get into talking about our, our guest, I'll just, you know, I've I've teased listeners about my Kira D'Amato dream. So I had this dream last night that um, Kira was the uh, American record holder in figure skating, which I don't even know what that means, but it meant that like she figure skated (laughs) better than anyone else. (laughs) And was like trying to teach me to spin on the ice, but it just like wasn't happening. So, 
you know. Oh, I feel like you would love this dream. <laughs> like this is, I thought you were going to say something weird. This is not no, weird. This is like awesome. Random. Like, why am I dreaming about Kira? And then why am I dreaming about figure skating? And then there was like, you know, those lockers that you have to like, you program in your own code. And like, there can be some anxiety around it. Like, what if you forget your code? What if you forget what locker? What if the locker doesn't work? So I've been swimming a lot and the pool has those lockers. And so they're just top of mind. So like, then I had an anxiety dream about the lockers. (laughs) I feel like that's like actually peak New York, like fitness, like group fitness, the like the anxiety and the like the crowds around those lockers of like the class coming out, the class coming in, people are like waiting. They're like looking over your shoulder as you're typing it in, like oh my gosh, it's like worse than like a parking situation in New York City. You're like, okay, can I just have some room? Yeah, no, (laughs) it's bad. And those are like the programmable. And then I've gone through just so many of my own locks during the year, like over the years. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't remember what code this is. Like, shit. Anyway, (laughs) we should probably talk about our guests. People have been holding on for 13 minutes into this intro. Thank you for listening to us (laughs) ramble. Um, But super excited to bring Veronica Zhao of Avid Sports Medicine to the podcast today. We're actually entering into a partnership with Avid, and we'll talk about that in a sec before we get to the episode. But, you know, I think it's it's really cool to see um, sort of how the vision for, for Avid Sports Medicine came to life, how the name came to life, what mm-hmm. the name means backwards. And just to like <laughs> hear more about, you know, Veronica's story as a, as a physician, as an entrepreneur, as a member of the running community. Oh, completely. Like I, I mean, she just as a person is, I just immediately was like, we're best friends. Yeah. Like I love the way that you think about things. I like the way that your mind works. The kindness just like immediately comes through. We felt we we record all of these remote. Um, and I feel like with certain people, like you can just hear in their voice and and it immediately like pulls you in. And she's just one of those people that from the first few minutes of talking to her, you just want, it's, it, there's an ease there and there's a passion there and there's a curiosity there. And, um, and I think that is, you know, so true of what she's building with Avid. And, you know, how lucky are we as, as, you know, the Bay Area running community to have a facility like this. I mean, this is what she is building is an absolute dream. You know, she is pulling what she's seen um, working in collegiate kind of fitness programs and saying this should be this program where like where an athlete is looked at from all angles and we bring in experts from, you know, from different specialties to really analyze like how can we maybe fix a problem or how can we prevent a problem and how can we optimize for success? And I mean, to have that, at our fingertips. I mean, it just, it feels amazing and it makes me feel lucky through and through to have her as a, as a part of our community. So well said. Well, with that, we're going to get to our episode with Veronica, but just so that our listeners know, um, all listeners of Runners of the Bay get 15% off a new patient visit at Avid. You also get 15% off a gait analysis and 50% off of their fitness programs, which they have lots of um, online fitness programs and sort of like offerings to supplement your running um, with the code runners of the bay. And we will put the link in the show notes of where to sign up. You can also always just email info at avidsportsmed.com and mention runners of the bay and they'll apply the discount 
to anything. So just really cool stuff. If you're injured, not injured, want to do good injury prevention, um, try it out, see what it's about. We now have a place for you. And with that, enjoy this episode with Veronica Chow. Hello and welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast today. We're so excited to have Veronica Jow with us from Avid Sports Medicine in San Francisco. And we've been talking to Veronica a little for a while now because we're pumped about Avid and everything you've done to develop that. But also just we've had the pleasure of getting to meet in person. And as soon as we met, I was like, oh, we need to have you on the podcast because you have such an interesting story and like your passion around why you started Avid. So we're just, we're pumped to have you here today. So welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So we're going to hop into things, you know, I, okay. uh, we told you we wouldn't let you like, just go, we didn't expect you to just give your life story, like without <laughs> asking questions. So, you know, one of the first questions we like to ask was, you know, did you do anything sort of um, like activity-based or athletic today. It's a, it's a Sunday, so maybe a day of rest, but what did your day of, um, what did your day look like? So I had a day with a lot of different activities and they sort of highlight everything I do at Avid. So it's kind of a fun question. Um, the beginning of the day, I started out at UC Berkeley where I am a volunteer team physician. I used to be one of the team physicians there and I did, um, physicals for the athletes. And it's really fun to see the incoming freshmen, kind of deer in headlights. Um, And I love doing that because it's a way to stay connected with people who are coming into athletics and their first time away from home. Some of them are far away in the Netherlands. Um, And so just having a friendly face and making sure they're safe to compete. And then the second part of my day was at Sunday streets today where we had a booth. And to answer your activity question, we did some dancing demos uh, because one of the things we do at Avid in addition to injury recovery and performance training is fitness. Um, Something that we started during the pandemic when people were lacking for somewhere to go and everything was closed. And so we do a variety of classes here, one of which is dance. And I love dance because it's like running for me. It's just a joyful burst of cardio energy. Um, and it's a way to get into a zone. So we danced on the street (laughs) and people watched and some people joined and it was really, Uh, a fun way to remember how wonderful, um, exercises at connecting people. Oh, I love that. I hadn't been, you know, because of everything that's been going on in the world to like a concert or hadn't had like an excuse to like dance, you know, like you kind of, I kind of beep bop in my apartment or whatever, but like I hadn't just let loose in a long time and I'm in Chicago right now, sometimes outside of Chicago, but I'm in the Illinois area and they have Lollapalooza. It's like their big outdoor music festival. And I was lucky enough to get tickets and um, I realized like how much my body was just craving that, like Mm -hmm. that feeling of a live performance, the energy of that. And then like being in a crowd feeling safe in that crowd. That's great. And then just like totally accepting that I look like a total doof because I'm not a good dancer, but being like so into it, 
I had like a euphoria hangover for like five days. I was like, oh my God, like this is like an antidepressant. Like I didn't, not that I was depressed, but like it, the, the absolute joy of that, like rattled through my body for so many days afterwards, just that dance, that dance. And I think being around people and dancing and like vibing off of it, it is, I mean, like you said, it is like running. You get that same contact Mm -hmm. high, even though it's individual. Yeah. There are actual studies around that. Um, not just dance, but group fitness type activities or running in a group. And there is some part of your brain that gets stimulated and it's very different than doing it by yourself. Um, and even doing it on a screen, mirroring other people trigger some of that as well. So mm-hmm. I always encourage people, even if they're not excited about going back to gyms yet, or they don't want to be indoors, like just, you know, hop on an online class or feel like you're connected with people. Yeah. That connection is so important. I mean, it, it reminds me of why I spent probably so much money at SoulCycle that I'll never get back, but <laughs> you know, that's okay. <laughs> that is a special kind of high, those classes. Yeah. But, <laughs> and I just know, want I, to say, Bridget, everyone's a dancer. You may um, not think that you're a dancer, but it's, it's really something that we all have in us. We just have to get our inhibitions out of the way. I like, because I'm such a bad dancer that I'll do like, you know, like the sprinkler or the shopping cart. Cause then at least I can like hide it by trying to be funny. That's, that's sort of my go-to, but it is fun right now being this pregnant and going and dancing is not fun, but Mm-mm. yes, dancing in general is fun. I disagree. If you put on some Taylor Swift, yeah. Mimi will dance and she will not do the sprinkler. Actually, and it's great. speaking of which, not to get off topic. My husband said to me, so I am a big Taylor Swift fan. And my husband goes, because we're having a girl, he goes, what if she doesn't like Taylor Swift? <laughs> like, what's going to happen? And I was like, we'll send her back. <laughs> She's got a defect. Not option. It's not option. <laughs> you know, I never grew up dancing. I started dancing when I was pregnant with my first child. I just, because I couldn't, I got to the point where I, I wasn't comfortable running anymore. And so I, and I needed some variety. So I went to dance classes. I did Zumba. Oh. And that was my first time I ever did dance. So I think it's a perfect time. Okay. So that's what I'm going to, I'm not running right now. That's what I'm going to YouTube. It's just some like pregnancy Zumba. I love it. Love yeah. it. Love well, let's sort of go back in time. Like what's an early memory for you of running or sports or just like activity mm-hmm. in general? So I grew up um, playing two sports that are not super useful as an adult. I played field hockey and lacrosse. I'm from the Midwest and running was part of that, obviously. But I remember that we'd all have to do training runs and we would all, you know, not really be into it. Right. Oh, running such a drag and we'd walk and we'd dawdle and we'd like not be excited about it. And then I remember one day in high school, just saying to myself, why don't I just keep running? Like, it can't be that bad. Why don't I just keep going instead of stopping with everybody and complaining? And then I did. And I thought, oh, this actually feels great. I can run. You know, I think there's this, I don't know what it is in your brain that you have to get past something about running distances or continuous running that isn't part of a sport. And then when I went to college, I did not play any sports. Um, 
So, you know, you enter the adult world of having to stay fit or stay active. And one of my, one of the people in my dorm, she was on the track team. And I remember one day just going out with her and she could sprint really fast, but when it came to jogging, it was not happening for her. And, and I thought, Oh, I actually, I can jog. Like I can do this. It's feels good. And running outside, I think was a huge change for me, you know, rather than being on a treadmill or indoors somewhere. And it just connected all the dots of the fitness and the being out in nature and sometimes being with people, sometimes being alone. Uh, and I think I have my best ideas when I'm running. So that's what I love about running. Where did you, where did you go to school? I went to Harvard for undergrad and then I went back to Ohio, went to Case Western for med school. Um, and you know, in Ohio in the winter, you don't run outside. That's something's wrong with you. (laughs) But I remember running, even when it was snowing, I sort of just loved being outside in the freedom space. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure, yeah, Boston. Boston. So like we can talk yeah. about that. It's like yeah. in the winter you do run outside and people are training for the Boston Marathon right. and other local races. So like what yeah. was the, you know, Boston running community like then? Do you, I remember when I lived in New York City for several years and you'd go to Central Park at five in the morning and maybe you wouldn't talk to the people, right? But you would sort of see the same people day after day on your route. Like mm-hmm. is, was it like that in Boston where you just sort of like, there's like a knowing like nod of the other runners. Yes. Yes. And you know, I would run up and down the Charles river. Um, I would also rollerblade. That was my passion oh, that's in, so fun. Uh, in college. And you see the people, you do the nod. So you, even when you're not with a group, you sort of feel like you're part of a group. Uh, and I actually did my residency in New York city. So I also experienced the central park running group as well. And I think when you pass a runner, you just instantly have something in common. You know, I even do it here. I, I maybe it's the yeah. Midwesterner in me, but I'm always trying to like gesture and say hi. <laughs> like we're do we're both doing this, so it's, yeah. it's a bonding thing. Yeah, there's nothing like when you like give a wave or whatever, and they just like totally ignore you, and you're like, okay, <laughs> guess you're like in the zone, which well, I've probably yeah. been guilty of. <laughs> Sometimes I'm that person that's singing on their run because I mm. don't just, my song comes on and I've got to sing it or it's part of the mood that I'm trying to, you know, get through or whatever I'm trying to work through. And, you know, some Beyonce tune will come on and I'll just have to run. So I live in Pacifica now. There's not a lot of people singing while they run. So sometimes I get some funny looks, but <laughs> there's, there's still a running community there. And yeah. Um, it's, it's still fun to wave at people and acknowledge. I've been hiking and like, I will do that. I will start singing when I'm hiking and I'm just like, I really hope there's no one around me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you think you're a really good singer too, when you've got. Totally. No, yeah. Yeah. I'm great. Yeah. You're hitting all the notes. Yeah. So let's, you know, going back to as an undergraduate, you're deciding you want to go into medicine. Like what drew you to medicine? And then I know like sports medicine specifically. Yeah. You know, in those days I was really into 
science. And I sort of grew up thinking I want to be a doctor. And I think once you put that out there in the universe, then people attach to it. And so they start saying, oh, you're going to be a doctor. And I got to school. And I think one of the smartest things I did, I don't know why I had this thought at you know the age of 18, but I thought I'm not going to major in chemistry or biology or whatever, because I already have to take those classes. So I actually majored in biological anthropology, which was really great. I loved anthropology. I loved learning about evolution and also social anthropology and medical anthropology, you know, just how societies form. And I think that's when I realized, oh, I really like the people part of medicine and maybe not as much the technical aspects um, I, I did, couldn't see myself necessarily being in a profession where I only did a technical skill, like maybe, you know, surgery or something a little bit more along those lines. I didn't know that I wanted to be a sports medicine doctor because I honestly didn't know what that was um, at that point. I just knew that I liked medicine. And when I got to the end of my nearing my undergrad years, I did feel a little bit like I was on a runaway train. Like, I, oh, I've just been saying I was going to be a doctor and now I've got to be a doctor and I've got to go to med school. And then that's the end. Like, that's, that's it. Uh, so I took, I decided to take a couple of years off and I worked uh, for a couple of startups at that time, which were back then there were a lot of internet companies starting up. So I did that for two years and then decided I'm going to go to med school. And once I started med school, um, there's a lot of decision points about what you're going to do in your life. It really wasn't until I did internal medicine because it really gave you the biggest variety and kind of teaches you. And if, for people who don't know what that is, that's basically adult medicine. So when you're done with pediatrics, you're going to go to adult medicine. Usually it's an internist or a primary care doctor uh, who's done family medicine. But I got to the hospital for residency and everything's about the disease process. You know, people are really sick and you're in the ICU. And I think I started to feel like, oh, if we could just get to these people before they end up in this place, you know, not every per not everything is preventable, but a lot of the disease and illness you see really is linked to lifestyle. And I started to think back then I was sort of a gym rat because that's what I had time for in residency. I would just go to the gym and ride the elliptical, which now I really, I can't even get on an elliptical. I have <laughs> complete aversion. That's like the same for me. I just would live on that machine and now I can't, I can't even look at it. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> I mean, kudos to those who can do it. I just, I think maybe it's the association with a hard time in my life too. I can't get on the elliptical. So, um, I started to think, what do I like to do and how can I turn that into my career? How can I take bits of that? And I've always loved exercise running, biking, elliptical, whatever it is. I've always been a mover. And that's when I um, came across sports medicine, which is not something people typically do from internal medicine. And I started volunteering actually at the New York Road Runners Club. They would have races every week in, New in Central Park. So I started going to those. And I just thought, this is, this is it. This is it. This is what I want to do. So that's how I got to sports medicine. And that was a long, long answer, but that, that was my road to, to hear. Hmm. I love that. Do you find as someone who has always had a relationship with being an athlete in some capacity that like 
you experiment kind of on yourself as you think about being a sports medicine? Like, are you testing out different things and experimenting? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I've had my own injuries. So, and I think that helps me connect with people um, on a different level. Mm-hmm. When they come in, I understand the frustration, especially with runners, because if you tell a runner, you know, you can't run anymore. It's the, the glaze comes over the eyes and you lost them. They're, They'll ignore you anyway. They're going to ignore opinion. you anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And so I almost never say that. Even if I say we have to take a, a pause, um, it's just that it's a pause and we're going to move back towards, we're going to move back towards running. You know, I, I almost never say you can't run again, which is something that people will come in and say, Oh, I was told I can never run again. Um, and of course there are, are times when that's true, but I would say by and large, it's just that people haven't met the right professional for them and the right team to help them. Uh, and I think that experiencing my own running journey and injury journey, when I was injured myself, I think I was a resident. I got kind of the ping pong approach. You know, you go to this doctor, they send you for this test and you go to this person, then you go to this physical therapist then you go and you're, you're a little bit lost because you're not sure it doesn't feel holistic. And that's why I started this practice is I feel really strongly that you should have a team around you. And, you know, what we do in our office is we will see someone for the injury and then our athletic trainer is there right away to start working with them. And I think that is so comforting to people also, like, let's get working on it right now. You know, you don't have to wait six to eight weeks to get into the physical therapist office. So, and then we also have classes and I do all the classes as well. So I'm suffering with the people, you know, I'm (laughs) doing the exercises with them. And then some of the classes I teach myself, which is, is really something I thought I would never do, but it's really fun. That's awesome. Going back, like, I want to get into like everything that Avid is and why, like, when, you know, your team reached out to us, I was like so excited because it is sort of a one-stop shop for, for runners in so many ways that I think to your point, like medical care in general is fragmented. And then when you think about like for injuries, like that is even more fragmented, but going back to your time at New York Red Runners, I didn't, I didn't know that. Like what were the types of things that you were seeing with NYRR and like, you know, the everyday runners that are like, doing those NYR races every weekend. I like one of my great regrets of my time in New York city was not, even though I was a runner, I never raced was not doing those races, not being involved with New York runners. So like during your time there, what were the types of things that you were seeing and learning? Yeah, it was interesting because that was before I got into my sports medicine fellowship. So really what I was observing was, you know, the, the everyday things that people come to a tent for, right. They've tripped or they <laughs> have developed, uh, some sort they started out with some sort of pain that's now unbearable or, you know, with longer races, it's managing your hydration, uh, cramping, but there's always this spirit of wanting to continue and finish, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, really beautiful how dedicated people are. And it's, it does tend to be a lot of the same people, you know, it's a community building activity. I actually did my first half marathon in New York and I, I didn't, I trained and I, I still, I got to the end. I think I, 
this is not something I would advocate doing now, now that I know I was sick a couple days before, but I thought I've trained for this race and I'm going to do it. So by the time I got to the end, I think I had a fever. I had the Mylar blanket, you know, I was like a little bit delirious, uh, but I felt so accomplished. I loved that feeling of having set out to do something, set a goal and done it. Um, and now that I know a little more, I might've been a little smarter about training and so forth, but I loved being part of the community and it's, it's just, there's no other activity like it. I don't think. Yeah. It is amazing. You could ask Mimi about, um, her Boston experience, maybe like running a race, not feeling well. I, I mean, I don't regret it. <laughs> I still would have done it. <laughs> you don't know. I like trained you too hard. For, yeah. I ran the Boston marathon with a UTI that I got like a few days before. And so I was on oh, no. antibiotics and then just like peeing all the time. And just so, by the time I started, I was just so dehydrated. And my biggest fear was like having to pee during the race. It was just one of those days that was not... You know, and then you get cramping and it's kind of like, no matter how well your training went, my body just sort of shut down. But um, you have to learn. Yeah. And you like, it's, it's a trade-off of like, am I going to do more harm by running this? Like, and I knew I wouldn't, like, I knew I would be okay, you know, but like, is it the best decision to run a race injured? Is it the best decision to run a race sick? And you know, I think from that experience, I learned, and and I think like I actually even learned a more valuable lesson a few months before that race when I ran a race that I really just didn't want to do. I felt like I sort of had to because I told my coach I would. And I ran a a 10K on the 4th of July and I tore my hamstring, which really messed up my entire Boston training. And um, like, I couldn't do hills. I was just like sort of despondent. Um, And so after Boston, I was like, you know, I'm just going to do races I want to do. And if I register and decide that morning that I don't want to do it, like, that's okay too. And Mm -hmm. I had a few, like after the, after the marathon, a few like really great races because I was, I genuinely wanted to be there. I was there because I wanted Mm -hmm. to be there, not because I felt like I signed up for this. I had to be. And then jokes on me Mm -hmm. because I signed up for like two more races that year that I just was like, "Eh, I'm not feeling it. So I'm not going to show up. And then I registered for at least four races while I was pregnant that I never ended up running. (laughs) So I'm like, I have given a lot of money to the running community. Donation. Well, that's really good though, because you really learn. I think running teaches you so much about yourself, Mm -hmm. what your body's limits are, but also how to have boundaries with your body, which is something, you know, we talk a lot about boundaries in our personal lives, but you have to have boundaries with your bodies too. Uh, so you learn from it and it, you know, I've made decisions like that, that I probably wouldn't do again, but yeah, <laughs> I think like, it's just, I remember actually so I had a horrible summer last summer of UTIs and like hamstring stuff. And the, I got a UTI in the middle of the summer. So I got one like three days before Boston and then in the middle of the summer. And I was on this 16 mile run and I didn't know that I had a UTI. And it was like one of the worst runs of my life. And it was so horrible and I probably should have stopped. Like I should have just gone home, but I didn't. But it almost set me up for success later on because I was like literally every single run after that was so much better. But I was like, this is great. I feel awesome. <laughs> 
So <laughs> that is know. true. That's yeah. true. You also learned that how you can survive things that aren't, you know, how to deal with adversity. And I think absolutely that also translates into everyday life, you know, not to get all philosophical, but if you can run a marathon, <laughs> you know, you can deal with that barrage <laughs> of emails in your inbox. It's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is like, exactly. if you uh, can run a marathon, like you can uh, have a baby. And I'm like, I hope that's true. Um, it's very but, similar. Yeah. You can tap into those. It's like the muscle memory, right? Of your body yeah. being totally fatigued and just sore. And that's how you feel when you don't sleep for a week or two. Yeah, great. <laughs> so let's get back to you. I feel like in so many ways, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like Avid is like this culmination of maybe like this dream or like your vision for what you feel sports medicine should look like. But you know, it took a, it took some time to get there. So can you talk a little bit more about your journey as a physician in sports medicine before you ultimately decided to like take the really courageous step to sort of go out on your own and start this? Sure. I was just chuckling with some colleagues this morning that I've had the most jobs of any of us, but it's really <laughs> been a fun journey. So I started out, I moved to the Bay Area right after fellowship. So my very first job was at Kaiser Kaiser Oakland and Richmond. And I was in the orthopedic department seeing all sorts of people, you know, all sorts of injuries and pain. And then I went to be the associate team physician at UC Berkeley. And that's a completely different world where, you know, college athletics is really intense. But that's when I first got the spark of team-based care, because when you're an athlete at a college, especially a D1 college, everyone's coming to you and rallying around you. And what happens? You get better, faster, everything's coordinated, you know, everything's not perfect, of course, but there's that aspect of, Hey, all hands on deck. So I think that was a model that just really stuck in my head. So after I left there, I went to one medical and I uh, did uh, some sports medicine, urgent care work there. And after leaving there and being part of a startup for about a year that was trying to revolutionize sports medicine, I thought, you know what? This is my time. I'm going to put all of those experiences that I've had into this dream clinic where was what I would want if I were a patient is to go in, have people who are knowledgeable, caring, spend time with me. And I get started on my recovery journey, you know, right away. And I feel like there's a roadmap for me. So that is the vision that I use to build this clinic. Now, I wasn't anticipating a pandemic, <laughs> which is probably <laughs> might have picked a different time. You know, in history. I think like fair enough. Like <laughs> I think a lot of yeah. us weren't. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, so that was a challenge because I'd only started six months before mm -hmm. the pandemic hit, but it turned out to be a really incredible opportunity to turn a typical clinic into other things. So that's when we started doing fitness, employee wellness, and sort of making that. And then the holistic part of care really got there because you're not just coming for, cause you're hurt. You can come because you want to avoid injury. You can come because you need a place to help you get started 
on a, a fitness journey. You know, a lot of people are very intimidated who don't work out regularly. Um, and then of course there was just the, everyone being stuck at home and not having things to do. So I think my vision just got bigger, you know, once the pandemic hit and now, now we have these three subsets. So it's really my dream job. And I feel very lucky to have it, this adventure, you know, who knows where it will go eventually, but I feel like this is exactly what I was meant to do, um, as a physician. That's awesome. What an, what an amazing yeah. feeling, like that feeling of like, yep, it's all lining up. And even with a pandemic to feel like it, I'm sure there were moments where you were like, oh no, <laughs> this is, this doesn't feel good. But it sounds like you came out of it feeling like all of these pieces now actually have made the whole practice stronger and maybe even got you closer to that feeling of like, we're doing all the things faster than if, than it, if without yeah, the pandemic. Yeah, and that's not to say that it's easy because- it's not easy to run a business or be an entrepreneur, but I try to go back to that sense of awe, like, oh, this is it. This is what I want to be doing. So, you know, it's, it's feels good. One thing I'm always interested in of like people that take sort of big leaps in their career or take chances, like, cause I'm a risk averse person. So I'm not going to be like, peace out. Um, but, you know, when you made that decision to go out on your own, do you think part of that comes from like your experience with startups? Like, cause it, again, it just, especially in the Bay Area where things are so expensive, like real estate and, you know, space, like how did you sort of get the courage to just say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go all in on this? Well, I think I just let the, I, I just let what was in front of me help guide me instead of, I've been ruminating about starting my own practice for probably two years before I actually took the leap. And I think that when things come your way that aren't great, like the startup going out of business was not good, um, that I was working for, but I just had this moment of saying, this is it. This mm -hmm. is the best chance that I'm going to have because I'm already in the, the space that I'm in. I can just take it over and let, let that opportunity sort of take it. I think that's what happens in life sometimes is that things come your way and you have to choose whether or not to leap. And I don't know, it's probably something in my I'm a Leo or I don't know if you believe in astrology <laughs> or what it is, but yeah. So I just thought, you know what, I'm always going to be, I think that's, I'm always going to be able to get a job, another job, hopefully. And would I always look back and say, oh, what if I had done this? Um, and I don't really define my success in a monetary way. I think that that comes or will come, you know, with time. And even if it doesn't, it's okay. You know, I, I feel like if, if in the end, um, I realized that it's better to go back to having a job. That's fine. But I can say, well, I did this and it just feels really empowering. And I love the creative part of it, which, you know, my other jobs had great parts to it, but I, I never felt like I got to have an idea, put it into action and see the results in a timely manner. You know, there's now I maybe have too much freedom. I can think it, do it, and it's done that day. <laughs> um, and I, I don't do everything by myself. You know, I think anytime you you enter an entrepreneurial space or you 
take a risk, there's always the supporting people around you. And I think even if they're not working with you, it's your friends who are cheering you on or your family, or you find a business partner. So I think that's what's really helped with that. Yeah. So let's like talk specifically more about Avid. You know, it was funny. I was reading, I should have done this before, but like obviously in preparing for the podcast and getting to know you a little better, I'm reading your, your bio and it said something about using Avid as an adjective capitalizing the A in AVID. And I was like, oh, is that where this comes from? Like, you know, an AVID athlete or AVID in in sort of your pursuit. So let's, let's start there with the name. Where'd it come from? You know, it was one of those things where I had a list, a short list of different things. And I think that I've always used AVID as like AVID runner, AVID cyclist. And of course, it's always nice to have a business that starts with A, even though we don't have uh, phone books anymore. Somehow you end up <laughs> at the top of some list somehow. And so I just, something about the name just grabbed me and I thought that's it. And then I'll tell you a little secret that now all of your listeners will know. So avid backwards is diva. Oh my God. I love it. <laughs> when I no, I, that's that. all I can <sighs> see with looking at your jacket that has <laughs> right. the name on it. That's, that's when amazing. I, that, I was like, that is it. It's my little secret. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so this good. is a game changer. That is so perfect. Oh, no, 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 you're not going to be able to see Abbott again, but no. Yeah. <laughs> it's even no, now it's even better. It's even better. Well, I think it's especially yeah. as a woman, um, and a woman of color who's entering a space that's often male dominated and often, you know, there's not a lot of people that necessarily look like me in the space. It's like, sometimes you have to channel your inner diva to just take the leaps and take the risks. And so I thought it was a little, I had kind of already decided on the name, but then there was, that was just a little spark that made me say, this is it. This is definitely the name. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's playful. It's, I mean, it works, it works in all ways, but it is nice when you have those kind of things that just make Mm -hmm. you smile to yourself, (laughs) you know, do you ever, you know, going back to what you just said, like, do you ever have moments of kind of imposter syndrome or like doubting yourself? And like, what do you do to kind of push through? Every single day, probably multiple (laughs) times a day. Um, and I actually, I think I heard this on some podcast I was listening to and it really helped me was if you feel imposter syndrome, you are actually on the road to doing something big. Like Mm. take that as a good sign that you're pushing the boundaries and you're, you're doing something that is going to be a game changer, you know, either for you or society, um, or maybe it's for your patients or your colleagues or so I try to use that feeling instead of trying to push it away as saying like, Oh, I must be really onto something here. <laughs> I'm feeling this, this much imposter syndrome because I think that you're never going to be, there's always going to be somebody that knows more than you that has better Instagram that has more patience that, ha- you know, you're never going to be perfect. Um, so just trying to use that, that feeling as a, a note to yourself, um, and not get totally sucked into it. It's just noting it and saying, I'm really onto something here and then trying to move through it. 
going to use that. I like that. That's awesome. So when building Avid, obviously it was six months you open and then we're in a pandemic, but let's talk about like the holistic approach and the team-based care approach and what you took from your time at, at UC Berkeley to help build what Avid is today. What, what does it look like and how did that help build the foundation? Um, yeah, I really, I think this is something that's hard for physicians sometimes is you want to have all the answers and you think that when the patient's in front of you, you have to know everything. And I think that by being more inclusive of, of people with other degree types and skills and bringing them into the team, that's where I think we get the biggest benefit because we each use our diff- our expertise. So right now, um, I work with athletic trainers who, like physical therapists, teach therapeutic exercises and then help people transition back to their activities. It's one of the things that, that they're skilled at is return to play, return to running. Um, and then we have a chiropractor in the office, which prior to this, I never worked this closely with a chiropractor. And there's a lot of, um, you know, as a physician, sometimes you can think like, oh, these people don't know what they're doing, or you just sort of have a, a weird bias. And I think by being in a group together, I realized, wow, these people are teaching me as much as, you know, we're all contributing. We all have a part. And I tell patients that there's no magic bullet. Anybody that's telling you there is, is is not to be trusted. And it's not a one size fits all approach. Everyone's going to need something a little different and that we need to put our services together. Um, and that's how we come up with things that really resonate for people and actually change, change their lives. And so I do some procedures, which are, you know, I think those are great, but that's not the only thing that I advocate people do. I think that the team-based approach is really important. So that's what I took away from my time at Berkeley. And I try to go back to that sort of whenever we're thinking about adding something or doing something, how does it contribute not to so much the bottom line, but the experience that the patients are going to have or the client. So what is it, what does it look like if you're like a first time person coming, coming into your space? Um, let's just say for the sake of this example, I am a runner and I have a minor injury. I'm running through it, but maybe I have like chronic Achilles tendonitis. What is that? What does that process look like? Do I, am I kind of directing, like, I think I need to see a chiropractor or t- walk us sure. through what that looks well, like. First off, a lot of people will do a consult call with me first, which I really think that talking to someone you're going to spend time with, it's almost like a mini interview, right? So they'll spend 10 minutes on the phone with me. We'll talk about um, what we can offer in logistics. And then if they feel comfortable with the model, then they come in as a patient. The first visit is an hour long and it's with me and the athletic trainers. So we'll, we're in the room together. We hear about the injury, we examine, I do um, diagnostic ultrasound. So for certain things like an Achilles, I would use the ultrasound in the office, look at the tissue and that that's just like a nice satisfying piece of that I can do on spot. Um, And then the second part of the visit will be, okay, here are your treatment options. And it's, yes, the patient does direct care, but I always give suggestions that I feel like are appropriate for the injury and options, right? So for that particular example, 
I think therapeutic exercises are always the basis of what we do. And, and I always recommend those. Um, and then I will say, well, I have some other tools that may be helpful. So I do shockwave therapy, which is something that's really helpful for something like Achilles can be used really all over the body. I do platelet rich plasma. Um, and then I'll, you know, we will refer to the other specialists in the office. So chiropractor, massage, the beauty of it though, is you don't have to do all of that on the first visit, right? We can build. And usually that's, that's what we do is we build up. You'll see how you respond. At some point you would do a gait analysis with us. Um, when you're ready to go back to running, build you a return to running program. And I, I love hearing about our runners and, you know, hearing how they did at their next race or I, I PR or I made it through this and I didn't think I was going to do it. And it makes it so rewarding. Do you find, I mean, I think that like typically, I don't know, talk, speaking for a friend, myself, all of the above, <laughs> like we don't, runners don't seek help until we need it until we're injured. Do you find that's true with most of your patients or are there smarter people than people like me who come in <laughs> and do more of that like proactive treatment? No, you're pretty typical. So don't beat yourself up. Okay. I would say <laughs> most people try to push through things and you know, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily at the beginning, but I think that we can, you know, one of our big pushes to just get people before they get injured because right. I, a lot of runners, you just open the door and run. I mean, that's what I used to do. <laughs> just open the door and run and not really think yeah. about how to prep yeah. your body. And I've learned so much from the athletic trainers about how to prep and a couple of things you can do, you know, just to prepare yourself. And those things can often prevent the injury. And then when you do end up with pain or, you know, discomfort or something's not going well, you know, just giving yourself, I think if you know, you're going to go to a place and they're not going to say, well, that's it. Got to hang up your shoes. It's over. You're going to be more receptive to going. And, um, that's the kind of environment I want to promote is like, we're working with you, mm -hmm. but no, realistically, most people, they, they, they'll Google for a little bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, I have diagnosed myself. I have uh, like peroneal tendonitis in my whatever. Like it's yep. my second metatarsal. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I always encourage people to tell me what they what they looked up because it's much easier when we just get it out, even if it's wrong or not. You know, yeah. just get it because it's it's been in their brain, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do with a runner who's like, listen, I'm injured. I have this goal race. Maybe it's a little race called Boston. Maybe it's someone's first marathon that they've been training for and like really want to run. And it's super important because they put in most of the work, but they're like, I mean, you know, they're in a, in a rough spot. Like how do you help them deal with not only the physical, but also sort of the emotional aspect of that? Oh yeah. Good question. So I think acknowledging that it, in some cases it's going to be a loss, right? Mm -hmm. And really understanding if they can't run the race, that that's, bit, that's a big deal. It could be a really big deal for them and not dismissing it. And I think if you just sit with them for a minute, you know, this is, this is a good applies to childcare 
too. So just you know, put put a note in. Maybe Book not the infant us. stage, but sometimes okay. if you're just like with them for the emotional part of it, it just helps them get through it. But I also like to be positive. Like, well, maybe you can't do this race, but let's train for the next thing. And we, I really encourage people who are struggling on that end to work with one of our mental health professionals. Um, so we have partners that do sports psychology and it may not need to be, you know, a long process, but just having a resource of somebody that understands, especially higher level athletes that, you know, there's a lot of their like identity and everything's wrapped up in that. Um, so I think that's one road to sort of helping people, you know, we do meditation, um, sound baths, things like that, because I, I also feel that just working on one aspect of an injury is not the whole thing. So you can do as many, uh, neck exercises as you want. If your whole life is this, because you're so stressed, you can't see my shoulders, but they went into my ears and you're tense. You're going to be fighting against that. Right. So things, things of that nature, um, and then I try to help people find alternative activities if it's only for a short time. Say so this is actually an opportunity for you, you know, just like, you know, if you have to find a new activity because you're pregnant or because you're on vacation or you don't have your tools with you, this is an opportunity for you to find something else that you really love that then you can incorporate into your, you know, weekly program. I try to find some balance and variety because a lot of people end up getting hurt because they've got one thing that they do, they do it all the time, every day, they don't vary. And, you know, our bodies just really aren't designed for that in modern life. I love all of that. Like the mental, the sound baths sound wonderful. Sign me up. One next <laughs> month. You're invited. <laughs> um, so when you are sort of having the cross training conversation, a lot of runners will want to do something that is in service of their running. And then I think you're right, like having other options to work into their regular routine, even when you're not injured, because, you know, running takes a toll on our body and our mind, um, seven days a week. And so it's always nice when you're not in the mood to have another option that, you know, will benefit your running in the long run. So what kind of, what types of cross training do you recommend? Yeah. So strength training is really important. Um, also mobility work. So one of our signature classes. It's called Circuit Burner. And um, it's our athletic trainer and I do it twice a week. And it's a mix of mobility and strength, balance, and there's a little cardio mixed in. And it's really fun, especially for people who don't love strength. You don't necessarily have to go to the gym and lift a bunch of weights. Like We actually usually have no equipment or optional band or a small weight or a household item. Um, but if you find something like that, that is sort of working on your complementary muscles, um, working on balance, and you're just sort of seeing, we try to also associate the exercise with how it's going to benefit you. And I think when you see that and you understand it, then it, it, it like has a life of its own. Um, you know, there are certain exercises out there. I'm not going to name names, but burpees. Um, this like, it really is not serving any purpose <laughs> for your body. Hot take. And I love it. <laughs> Hear that? Like 
hear that, listeners? No more burpees ever for the rest of your life. You just don't need to do it. Just opt out. Not in service. Listen, listen. I sometimes a burpee is fun, but or our head athletic trainer has sort of programmed me that it's she's right. It's not serving any purpose, and a lot of times people do them wrong and they hurt themselves. So purpose driven exercise is really important. And for people who don't like strength training, there's more subtle things like Pilates is incredible. Uh-huh. We do a mat Pilates class, uh, uh-huh. yoga. Um, I do a speed and agility class now that it is, I think would be great for runners because even though you're not playing a ball sport, you know, especially if you're a trail runner or on an uneven surface, you need to be able to react quickly and it's really helpful to just train your body in a different way. And of course, dance, because just the ultimate activity, I think, for mind and body uh, when you can't run on those days. So those are the things that I usually recommend. And it doesn't have to just be something we do at Avid. Um, I talk to people about doing boxing, which is a class we, we actually used to have. Um, we sometimes do for employers. And um, there's so many different things. Swimming, I think, is like fantastic way to cross train. So I think not shoving something down someone's throat, you know, and finding the thing that works for them and their lifestyle. And they're actually going to want to do it. Right. Yeah. I think what I actually like really found interesting with everything you just said is you went for cross training straight to like strength and mobility as opposed to, okay, we're going to supplement, you know, a run with a bike ride or a swim, or an aqua jog, or some other form of cardio. Because I I mean, I think like runners are programmed to think that like, oh, if I didn't do anything that's cardio-based, I didn't work out, or I didn't help like support that aerobic engine when really, especially as we get older, like if we spend 20 minutes less running in a day, but actually use that 20 minutes to do some activation drills or strength or mobility, like probably going to be better off. But it's, I mean, even for me, it's like, it's such a huge mindset. I'm like, oh, if I didn't do some cardio, then like, I actually didn't do anything today when really maybe I did, you know, 15 minutes of prenatal yoga and that is going to benefit me more. Yeah. I think you're right. I've, I've fallen into that cardio junkie thing too. I mean, the one thing is I usually sweat when I'm strength training. So Mm -hmm. If you find a thing that is helping you get your heart rate up, then I think it's creating that satisfaction for you. Um, And when you see the results that you get from strength training, I think you'll be hooked. So once I got my hamstrings and my quads and my core, my hips all strung, I was a better runner. You know, I felt like that helped me run faster. And it is a little counterintuitive. I hear a lot of like, I don't want to bulk up. Um, especially from women, which I think is just, it's a misconception for what strength training is. It does not need to be you lifting heavy weights and bulking up. It's really about creating a pattern of movement for your muscles that they're more resilient, that they can absorb the shock of running better. Um, and it, it doesn't need to be something that's causing a lot of, you know, bulk or tightness. I think people think, oh, I'm going to get really tight and then I'm not going to be able to run. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I love Pilates for that reason. Like, uh, I, but I also Pilates, hate Pilates because it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. It's hard. Like, it's hard. But I mean, what classes ter- that you've done that you think are hard? Are they mat or reformer? Reform. I've done the reformer. Like I used to go to this thing, place called Hardcore, and so it's like a little mini reformer group group class. Those and are that- different, though. That's like the mega former, which is. Okay. Sorry, not to like be like you're wrong, but like yeah, those <laughs> classes are impossible. But it's also not like regular reformer Pilates. Um, well, that's good to know because I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's it's like on. I maybe you can't say on steroids anymore, but it's like yeah, really hard. My For me, that's like instant muscle failure. Like yeah. I would get on like. The like instant like twitchy or my glutes and my hammies are like, what are we doing? Oh boy. You also have to be super careful because if your form isn't good, you could really like mess up your back. Like it's a, Mm -hmm. uh, they're great, but you have to be very careful. My husband does hot Pilates three times a week. So he did Pilates and, um, so it's matte, but it's heated. And when we, I guess like a few years into us dating, I would go, but we would go in opposite days. Cause like, we just, we can't work out together. Um, it's a Bridget knows about this. Like I get very competitive in racing. Like I just, I can't have this be part of our relationship. I love it. Um, but these classes are like the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Like I would come home and just be wrecked. Like I would have to nap for the rest of the day because I think like as runners, we're just not focusing so much on like like our flexibility. So there's flexibility in it. Like there's just really using like your abs and your core and kind of all the things that like we as runners know we need to strengthen, but we're so focused on running Mm -hmm. that we just sort of Mm -hmm. neglect. It's just a different, different kind of pain. (laughs) Well, and I, and I think that's great that you tried that class. I think Matt Pilates, which is the type of class we offer here too is really good because you learn subtle cues in your body, Mm. um, that you, you know, just how you're holding yourself. And it doesn't have to be, you do have to get over the fact that it's not a run, you know, that it's serving a different purpose, but you feel so different. Like you hold yourself different. And that's why we do a lot of mobility work too. I see, you know, I know runners, they'll be like, well, I stretch. (laughs) I see that stretching that you're doing like, for two seconds after your, that's not it. Okay. But <laughs> having that a regular, not it. <laughs> it's not, it's not it. It's, it's fine. It probably feels good, but it's, you know, there's really not a lot of research behind that kind of stretching. Um, if you do mobility work, which is more about taking your joints through a range of motion on a regular basis and sort of, you will, you will gain motion and you will have less injury. And, you know, we work that into the programs that we give people and the classes and they're not super sexy exercises. Okay. Nobody wakes up and it's like, I really want to do this hip mobility exercise. Although now I do them every morning mm-hmm. I get up and that's my little body meditation. I just, and it's five, it's less than five minutes. You know, I think that's the thing. You don't have to spend an hour or two hours. You can have a 10, five, 10 minute program that sort of changes your, your running. I'm wondering too, like, it's so interesting coming from like, you know, Boston, Ohio, spending time in New York with New York Roadrunners. Like how, how do you perceive the San Francisco running community and the patients that you see and like getting involved with that? Like what's been your experience and your perception of 
what we've got going on out here? Well, I think that people are way more active out here and it's a couple of reasons. I mean, you definitely have the dedicated people in in New York city or Ohio, wherever you are, but activity is more of part of the culture out here. So it's more the norm. And I see people being active way later in their life than, you know, I think we ever thought people would be. I have this very sweet 83 year old right now who is lawn bowling and playing tennis and very dedicated. (laughs) And I love that because I think previously people sort of dropped out of exercise after a certain you know, age and running is one of the things that you can do way long into your life. You know, if you have the, if it, if it works out for you and you train and you, you know, some people just have good genetics, but other people really take care of themselves and, and are able to do that. Um, the weather out here is definitely part of the draw of, especially of running. I mean, how spoiled are we? You could go out any day of the year. There really isn't a day except for maybe when there's smoke where you, where you can't be outside. Um, so I see, I see that. And I see the, the running groups that are here, you know, there's an inclusiveness and a friendliness. And I, I really love that. So I feel like this is home now for me and I, I can't imagine myself being anywhere else. I love that. We're lucky to have you. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're lucky to have you. And, you know, getting into some business, our, um, our listeners are lucky to have you because we've, we're going to have a partnership, which we're super excited about. So I'll give some details. It'll also be in our show notes and we'll make sure that people get the info, but any listener of runners of the Bay can go to Avid and you get 15% off a new patient visit, 15% off a gait analysis, 50% off, um, Avid fitness. So that's, I think the online, opportunities and classes using code runners of the bay and we will have the sign up link and all you have to do is email info at avidsportsmed.com mention runners of the bay and you will be able to use these offers so we're so grateful for that like that's so awesome that you've given our listeners this opportunity bridget and i are going to take advantage of it um once I can drive more than 30 minutes without being in pain <laughs> i'm gonna come right in um but yeah, thank so we're oh, just, you're we're, welcome. We're thrilled to to be able to partner with you. So thank you so much for your generosity when it comes to that because like we're we're just so happy that you're part of this community. Yeah, yeah I am so happy. And I want to encourage you and all, all of your listeners if you have things that you're looking for or that you can't find, you know, that's why I love working for myself in some ways I can create things if there's something you're lacking because I learn as much from the patients as they learn from me. So yeah, that's awesome. Email me. Email me things. Yeah, exactly. Great. So before we wrap up with some fun rapid fire end of the podcast questions, Uh you know, hopefully they shouldn't be too hard, but um, more hot takes, more hot takes. When you think about your own relationship with running or just like fitness and sports in general in the next 20, 10, 20, 30, however many years, like, what do you hope that looks like for you personally? I hope that I continue to build on the things I love, but I also love trying new things. And I hope that I don't lose my, my confidence and my sort of the 
the wonder of trying a new activity or a new thing. Um, and I hope I continue to, to learn because I think it keeps us young. And I think right now I started taking tennis with my daughter because she didn't want to do her lesson. So, <laughs> but it was an opportunity. Now I like it. That's humbling. Tennis is, uh, I played tennis in high school and was like on varsity tennis. And then I tried again several years later and I was like, nope, not for me anymore. I can't do this too hard. Like, I don't it's know hard. if I'll ever go back to it. Yeah. It's hard. I, I started taking basketball classes a couple years ago because my son was playing basketball. And at that point he was like, seven and better than me. And I thought, wait a second, I got to get some skills here. So I took the basketball classes from this uh, never too late and it wasn't too late, you know? So just staying versatile. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. So fun. Okay. Are you ready for some fun rapid fire? I'm ready. Let's do it. Um, favorite place for a run in the Bay area. Ooh, that's a good one. Favorite place. Well, I live in Pacifica and I love running there. Um, I love going to Maury Point, which Mm. is up high and then being able to look around and and see the ocean. So that's my favorite spot. That's a good one. Um, What would be one or the most important thing that runners can do before a run? What's like an easy go-to thing? So warming up, and I know that's vague, but um, there's five minutes of things that you can do. I believe we even have it on our YouTube channel. There are some leg swings and some mobility work with your hips and, and just prepping your body, and it doesn't have to take very long. And I think if you spend you know, five minutes max doing that, it's going to drastically change your runs. Love that. Uh, what's your go-to dance song right now? Okay. So I've been listening to the Beyonce Renaissance album sort of on repeat. Of course. And <laughs> so I think my favorite song from that album is Energy. So when I, so, you know, I, I have a pump up playlist on my way to work. <laughs> it's called <laughs> Mantras, but it's all pump up playlist. Play songs. I listen to those. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I was listening to my pump up playlist on the way to an event yesterday and I was just like singing so loud in the car. You get to the stoplight and the guy next to me is just like, and I just like, I don't care. It is a Saturday and I got to work all day. So like this is the vibe. (laughs) You can join me or you can watch. I'm not not, not stopping. (laughs) I love Um, that. Uh, if you could go for a long run with anyone, they don't have to be a runner. Um, they don't even have to be alive right now. Who would it be? With anyone. I know. It's so big. Well, I would probably choose my daughter right now because she, it's one of those moments where there's nothing else to do and you get to connect and talk about things. And because you're moving and doing something, um, you can just get more information. I don't know. You feel more connected. And I just, I, that's my favorite running partner right now when I can condense her <laughs> to do it. I love that. Yeah. There yeah. is, there's nothing like the, the running bond. It is, it is so real. What's your favorite piece of running gear right now? Gear. Like shoes well, or, yeah. You know, I'm late to the, uh, earbuds, ear, AirPods, and 
I don't know why I was resistant to the technology, but I just was like, I can just plug into my phone. What's the big deal? Um, but they've really changed my (laughs) running because you can put them in. They're not falling out like the headphones. Um, I don't have to have that crazy armband thing that I was, I don't know. It's like, how big is this thing going to get at some point? It's like obstructing your your elbow motion. So I'd say that. And then, um, I have new balance shoes that I really like that. I think shoes are, are a very personal thing. And I always encourage people to, sure, you can go to the shoe store and listen to what that person says, but ultimately the best shoe for you is the shoe that feels comfortable on your foot. So, uh, I think trying them out and, and really allowing yourself to experiment with different types of shoes is important. Totally agree. Okay. Last final, most important question, burger, burrito, or pizza? Burger. Okay. Where are you, where are you going? Where's your favorite? Where's your go-to place? Oh, well, that's a good question. Where is my go-to place? So I am in Soma and I'm right across from, um, 21st amendment. Oh, so good. Yeah. And they make a really good burger and it's right across the street. Um, but today I was in Berkeley and I went to this place called a plus burger. Have you ever heard of this place? It had eggplant and bacon on the burger. What? Incredible. We got to try. All right. So, all right. I think yeah. we're going to meet for a burger and come okay. over to Avid and hang out. Veronica, this was such a joy. Thank you so much. The, like we said, the community is just so lucky to have what you're doing at Avid, um, what your perspective on running you as a runner and as an athlete. It's been a joy talking to you and thanks for all that you do. Thank you. Thank you for hosting this podcast. And it's, it's incredible. I mean, I think what you're doing is just taking running to a different light. You know, it's not just about the sport, but it's about so many things, just life in general. So thank Thank you. you. That's what we hope. We appreciate it. All right. Well, we will talk to you soon and you know, listeners get in on it. Yeah. All right. (laughs) See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode with Veronica Zhao from Avid Sports Medicine. You can follow Avid Sports Medicine on Instagram at Avid Sports Medicine. And you can check out their website at avidsportsmed.com. Send them an email at info at avidsportsmedicine.com. Mention Runners of the Bay. We're going to have all of this information in the show notes for you to easily access so that you can take advantage of this awesome offering. And this is going to be ongoing because we have a partnership with them, which is super, super special. And I'm so pumped about it. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. As always, you can send us a direct message on Instagram. Make sure you're following us at Runners of the Bay on Instagram and on Twitter. Send us a DM either on Instagram, on Twitter. Email us, runnersofthebay at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. What are you liking about the podcast? What are you not liking? What do you want more of? What do you want less of? All of the things. And we're going to try to bring it to you. You know, we've got some life changes happening, but hopefully that doesn't mean that we're taking too much of a hiatus here. Um, We've got some good episodes coming up and certainly are just more passionate and engaged in this community than ever. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon.